This is Raynor's podcast, The Creative Mindset. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Creative Mindset, a podcast about what the future holds at the intersection of creativity and technology. I am Rei Nomoto, the founding partner of Ionco, a global innovation firm based in New York and Tokyo. This is part two of AMA Ask Me Anything, where we answer questions from my listeners. Instead of just answering them by myself, we invite them to be on our show and make that into an open conversation. The question came from Karen O'Keefe, who just took a new role as a chief creative officer at Digitas, a global marketing agency and its UK office. If you haven't listened to part one, please do have a listen. In part two, we go into the specifics of the role of a creative leader in a new environment. So let's get started. Ask me anything. You know, you are obviously Japanese. You sort of were working in US based companies.、Um, you now work sort of across multiple cultures. So that brings me to another question, actually. I was based in the US working for global clients, and then I came over to Amsterdam where I was working. You know, it was very fundamental in shaping both who I am professionally and personally, really took me out of my comfort zone. And now I'm stepping into yet another、uh, different culture as a leader. So much of how we connect with people, at least in the short term, is based off shared cultural experiences and background. And so, as you stepped into these sort of new places and spaces, how did you, being from a different sort of background, or how did being multicultural either help you or hinder you? Sort of, what were your strategies in terms of being able to connect with people on your team where you might not have had that commonality? What, what observations have you made, and what are some of the challenges that you've encountered as you worked in different,、uh, different places in different cities? The thing that I have really liked about moving around is that it forces us to step out of our culture and the patterns that we learn and doing and saying and, and operating almost on autopilot and really reflect on. What do we believe? Who are we? How do we want to operate? And what is true to ourselves versus the way that we've always done it? I think it was the same for me moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, as you said, because I grew up on the East Coast. And then very much so when I moved sort of to Europe. And what that helped me do was be like, okay, who am I? And then how do I show up as As who I am, and how do I share that as a means of being vulnerable and open and honest to sort of create that environment to then, regardless of what background somebody else might be from, to be able to then share themselves with me? Because I think the roadblocks that I've run into is kind of going back to what you were saying about humility. Is when I haven't felt comfortable to be myself, when I have tried to, you know, when I first got to the West Coast and or working on, you know, Nike directly and feeling like I had to be this sneakerhead who knew and breathed sneaker culture. And it wasn't true at the, it is now with my sneaker closet, but at that time it wasn't, it wasn't true. And, So, feeling like I could truly be myself as I moved into these places, and everyone around me has this shared language, whether it's, you know, literally in the Netherlands or, you know, sneaker culture language when I first moved to Portland.、Um, and I think learning, and when I first moved to Amsterdam, one of the things that became pretty profound for me was this idea of getting comfortable with looking stupid.、Um, I remember the first day I went to,、uh, I had to take the tram to the office and I took it home and I was like, I got this first day in the books, made it. And I didn't know you had to press the button for the doors to open. Not my tram stop, 
like, why aren't the doors opening? And then all of a sudden the tram keeps going. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Just had to press the button, but everything's in Dutch. I didn't know it. And the biggest thing is I just felt like such an idiot. And that happened every day for like the first three to four months when I first moved here. But what I realized is I started to build a tolerance to being worried about feeling stupid. And so what I noticed is that there was a correlation of when I would walk into a room where everyone else had a shared culture or language, or I'd walk into a room with a client, and I felt more comfortable still showing up as me, because I wasn't as worried about if I was going to do something wrong or say something wrong, because I didn't already understand the way it was supposed to be. One little technique that I've used is to know a little bit about like where they are from or where they grew up or, you know, which city that they're, uh, that they're from. And I try to find sort of commonality between my own experience and where they come from. And when I can find some connection between like my upbringing, which is very, you know, different from pretty much anybody else's, like, you know, nobody has the same upbringing, right? Unless they're from like the same town or same place. It's often possible to find something that's common between them and you and then using that as a starting point to have uh, uh, a personal relationship with that individual uh, is a good uh, technique to bridge that cultural uh, difference. Before I forget, I'll I'll share one story that I heard about um, a very visible and famous leader, uh, which is President Clinton. Right. And whether you like him as a, as a president or not is a, is a separate uh, conversation. But, um, I, I heard, I heard a story about how, um, skilled he was in making people and individuals feel very close to him. And that was his quote unquote, his leadership style. Right. And I heard uh, a story about him at some kind of fundraising party. President Clinton comes, uh, you know, to this individual and immediately he says, you know what? I heard you were brought up uh, by a single mother. I'm a son of a single mother as well. I know how you feel. Right. And with that, like, you know, he won this individual over just emotionally. But the point here is that he was consciously always trying to find that uh, particular personal connection uh, with every individual as much as possible. It's simple, and that's why it's difficult, but it's simple to make that personal connection with an individual if you know what that um, commonality is between you and this random stranger. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And you're right. Like We are humans, and now reflecting on it, there are a lot of commonalities that you can find with people regardless of culture. How have you found that the things that we don't have in common can influence? Because another thing that I think is interesting is as people who have been sort of in multiple cultures or or haven't felt like we fully belonged, like you and I both have, there's our commonality, um, is 
you know, at the end of the day, not to oversimplify it, but what we do is come up with unexpected creative solutions and different cultures do things differently. So do you feel like that gives us a propensity to be able to get to more like different solutions because we understand that there's more than one answer and, and how has that benefited you or have you experienced that yourself? You don't have to necessarily understand, you know, where, what the differences are from the, from the get-go. But I think being accepting of differences can lead to new and interesting ideas that you never uh, have come up with on your own. Or had you only worked in an environment where people there were just one type of people, or, you know, just from one, uh, one culture. So I do think the difference of opinions is a good thing. But going back to the role of the, the chief creative officer is how you can effectively manage for those different uh, organisms to coexist with each other. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the difference is you need to have psychological safety to be able to feel like you can truly express your opinion in the interest of actually moving the work or whatever impact you're trying to have forward, as opposed to sometimes I think people try to create the tension for the sake of it to be right, as opposed to do what's right. And I think that is the fundamental difference. But especially, as you said, we come from different backgrounds. And that's where I, I completely agree that diverse teams lead to a lot more interesting work. But I also think that when we say that, you know, as you said, it's trendy right now. We still have a pretty narrow scope of what we're talking about when we say diversity. That was one thing when I moved even here that I found just so kind of interesting when I saw the kind of evolution of creativity with the people I was working with here in terms of so many different cultural backgrounds, so many countries coming together. Uh, and that diversity of background, diversity of lived experience is ultimately, that's where things like race and gender and all that stuff comes into play. It's from that lived experience, but it's not just from those things that give you that sort of differing point of view, which ultimately makes things more interesting. Yeah. And also just out of curiosity, why, why did you take this uh, role, decide to take this role? If I had to sum it up in one word, it would be growth for me, both personally and professionally. When I look at sort of what I've done and the opportunities that I have ahead of me, when I left AKQA to do the analog folk thing, I felt like I couldn't do it. I was like, there's no way. And that's ultimately why I felt like I had to. I don't feel that way now, but this is a very new uh, sort of environment. Just when you think about it, I've been with one company or had been with one company for almost a decade. So stepping into a new team with more diversity of discipline, as you said, and I really think that presents such an interesting opportunity in terms of creating really incredible impact in the world. And that's ultimately what I want to do. I really believe in having these ripple effects of being able to, at the end of the day, I just want to make good stuff with good people and being able to continue to do that in different environments with different people, learning from them. Hopefully they can learn something from me. And that's kind of what this opportunity seemed to present to me and why I ultimately decided to do it. Yeah. Where do you want to see yourself in five years? I don't know where I see myself in five years, to be honest with you. I, I 
try to focus on what feels right right now. Obviously, I'm future facing, like I'm looking for growth, I'm looking for my next step. But what I've found over the course of my career is career is that as opposed to people who have five year plans or goals, I have if a door opens, does it feel right to me? And do I feel drawn to it? And that's what's led me to here so far. So I think I'm going to stick with that. Lightning questions. During the interview, we dig deep into different topics surrounding creativity. On the contrary, with this section, we ask the same questions to the guests to react on the spot and we don't let them see the questions in advance. Question number one If you weren't doing what you do now today, what else would you, would you be doing? I'd be a yoga instructor. I'd be a yoga instructor. Or I would own a bar on a beach in the Caribbean. All right. Question number two If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Costa Rica. I love Costa Rica. Yeah. Where is the next place that you would like to travel to? So I'm going to Morocco this week, actually, which I'm, yes,、uh, which I'm really excited because. I think it's going to be going back to diversity, unlike anywhere else I've ever traveled. And I'm, it's my first time on the African continent, so I'm really excited about that. So that's the most topical. Yeah, but if I had to, if it was like drop a pin, where could I go anywhere? I'm dying to go to Indonesia. What's your, what's your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese. This is where the, you're like, yes, she's American, but love macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. What's your favorite song or type of music? Again, very American.、Uh, and I used to be very embarrassed about this when I first started advertising because it was quite uncool. I love country music. It's the one thing that really ties me to my roots and it makes me just feel at my core. And you want to talk about getting like, comfortable with like, not being judged? Like, it, I wouldn't have said that publicly for a very long time, but I really, really love country music. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, did you grow up with country music in your household? Yeah, so now even today, like in Amsterdam, like I will、uh, I'll listen to country music and it, I, it's just like that little piece of home. What is your biggest turning point in your life, professional turning point in your life? It is professional, but I think for me, my personal and professional have always been quite intertwined. And it was a moment actually when I was in Miami ad school and I was an intern at Ogilvy in Sao Paulo. And I had been a small town girl in central Pennsylvania, again, Maravistown. And I got there, and it, you know, third biggest city in the world. I'd never really been in a place like that. And I just remember standing on the 20th floor of a building, and I couldn't see the edge of the city, and thinking to myself, there's so much I don't know that I don't know. And it, it, is, it was such a pivotal turning point. I was in ad school, but it, It opened my mind to knowing that my entire life up until that point, had, it, there was just so much more out there, both personally and professionally, that I wanted to go see and experience. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was really quite a profound moment. Wow. That's a beautiful story. I, I can picture it. That's a very beautiful story. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Two more questions. What is your superpower? I think that my superpower is being able to. 
connect with people pretty quickly. I've had to do it by being able to move around quite a lot. And so I am able, going back to the commonalities that we've discussed, I find that I am good at being in a lot of different types of situations and being able to connect regardless of the environment in which I'm in. Last one. For you, for Corinne, what is creativity? Creativity to me is evoking emotion in an unexpected way and seeing something other people don't. Beautiful, beautiful answer. Thank you so much. This, is, this has been very intimidating, but really fun. That was part two of AMA, Ask Me Anything, where I answered a question from our audience. In part one and part two, I shared a lot of my learnings, including mistakes with Corinne, and I hope there was something that could be useful to our listeners. Corinne was asking me about leading different groups of people who come from different walks of life, especially going into a different environment. And as Corinne asked, working with different people from different cultures, I still think it's, in, it's possible for us to find a common ground. I try to look for you know, something that's common between me and the other person, whether it's a hobby, uh, music, movies, sports, food, what have you, there's something that you can find as a common ground. And when you can do that, then you can start to have a conversation, not between a boss and somebody that's being managed by that person, but as two equal human beings. And then I think that can go a long way for anybody who is leading a group of people and anybody who's working for somebody else, when you can establish that personal connection with your manager, with your boss, that can also help in your career moving forward. At the same time, I'm aware of the fact that not all of our listeners are ready to be in a leadership position and might not be in that role for a while. So I thought I would share my point of view and my thoughts on what people should look for in a leader. And thinking about my career trajectory and working for several leaders, what I think I was looking for and what I gained from the people that I worked for. And I think what it comes down to is that it's not just the company that you should join, but it's the person that you'll be working with and working for that you should really, really interrogate, especially if you are in a position or if you're in a, in a timing where you might be changing a job. In the past couple of years, as we went through the pandemic, the great resignation was a term that we started to hear. Apparently that's subsiding and not as many people are switching jobs as they were during the pandemic. But switching a job is something that I think everybody will do sooner or later. And what becomes really important is what you should look for, not just in the work environment, but in the people that you're working with. And the thing is, 
it's it really comes down to the person that you'll be working for and what you can learn from. In my 20-25 year long career, I actually haven't and didn't switch jobs that many times. And what became most helpful in the 25 years or so, so that I worked for somebody else and granted that I stayed at a few places, each place for quite a while, I think what my bosses gave me uh, different opportunities to learn new things even if I didn't leave that particular environment. And particularly when, you know, the last employment job that I had was at AKQA and I worked for somebody named Tom Bedegray who was at the time the CEO and he was the one who recruited me to AKQA back in 2005, I think. And I ended up staying there for more than 10 years. As I look back, I even though I stayed in one company, I was able to have multiple jobs working in multiple offices and multiple uh, environments. And Tom, I would like to credit him and thank him for giving me those opportunities. And every couple years, he made a point of asking me, hey, Ray, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? And he always took the time to make it about me and make my interests the most important thing for him and for me and gave me the guidance and put you know different opportunities in front of me that I could pursue and I think that's why I stayed there for more than 10 years. So to summarize, if you are working in, a, in an environment for a boss uh, currently, ask the boss you know what the future holds for you and see if that person allows the time to make it into a conversation and see if you and your boss can cultivate your future uh, together. If you might be looking for a job for whatever reason, and that's totally fair, look for a person who can give you that kind of guidance and who can give you that kind of room to grow. And that's what I got in my 10, 20 years working in this industry in different capacities and different, uh, different roles. And um, I'm forever grateful for Tom and other bosses that I've had to have given me those opportunities and uh, I have them to thank for and uh, really appreciate. I think, you know, my success today and I'm, I'm somewhat conscious of saying the word success because, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm that successful, but uh, I really appreciate the, the types of opportunities that they gave me over the years. That was part two of AMA Ask Me Anything, where I answer questions from our audience. I really, this was a, a new experiment for us and I really enjoyed having that conversation and by listening to what people might be questioning or struggling with, there's a lot for me to learn from. So I definitely welcome for any of our listeners to reach out to us. There's a link in the episode notes, so please, please do reach out and let's have a conversation. I'm Ray Namoro, and this is The Creative Mindset. See you next time.